It's 2019. We did it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is uh, this is our first new episode of 2019. Yeah. We are, as they say on Ron and Beverly, RIP, in the time machine. Uh-huh. Oh, it's good to be here. It's really good to be here. And even though you're hearing this kind of far after the holidays, you and I have not really touched down no. on what went on with you no. holiday-wise. Or you. What'd you get into? Oh, my goodness. Well, I was home in St. Louis, as I uh, as I told you, and, and I had this... Um, because of travel, various travel plans mm-hmm. for my various family members, there was a three-day like donut hole in the middle of the week where I was totally alone oh, in right. my hometown, which was heaven. I love my family. I love my family. But I had never been in my hometown without somebody to check in with. And it's it's a really nice feeling. It's a very what, nice feeling. What did you get into during this donut hole? Um I immediately got lonely and then called some cousins who I don't see that often and had dinner with them, <laughs> uh-huh. um, which was super great. And they're, they're just, you know, regular, normal, hetero, St. Louis Catholic guys great. with like, you know, fun wives and four kids apiece. And everybody, you know, everybody says cool beans a thousand times. So and devoted so homophilia cute, listeners. Whatever. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome guys. But then I was like, I need to experience a side of queer St. Louis that I have never seen. So I, I started to research some some bars. Uh, and uh, and I found one that I had never heard of that was in sort of like a midtowny kind of not quite urban, uh-huh. not quite suburban area. What's it called? I think it's called the Gray Fox Tavern. Great. And I went, and there were like three people there because it was, you know, a Wednesday. It was the day after Christmas. People mm-hmm. were tired and broke. And I was like, okay, I was about to turn and go, but then I heard the sounds of Whitney Houston's I Have Nothing coming from a back room. And wow. I said, I'm going to follow that sound. So I went. And what I stumbled into was some sort of fundraiser workshop for the ball community of St. Louis. The what? The Vogue ball community of St. Louis. I didn't think that there was one. I didn't either. And it, there was someone who I would I would put in the mother role, uh-huh. was sort of running it a little bit. She had the she had the god mic, basically. Yeah. Seated at the back of the room. Her name was Candy Principal. She was fantastic. Oh, she great. suffered no fools. I when I got in, I feel like I, I caught the tail end of a design challenge. Because the 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 performer lip syncing I have nothing was fully wearing a tablecloth <laughs> with like ribbons from presents uh-huh. and uh, and she got some critiques on her look uh-huh. and uh, and her lip sync and then just other people got up to lip sync but it wasn't just drag performers it was there was like kind of a butch young lesbian who got up and did a, a Luther Vandross number nice there were plenty of duets. Um, it, it, it felt like something that was probably a closed event of some kind, Uh but I was not made to feel unwelcome at all. Um, I, it was, it could not, I felt like I was over the rainbow. Uh, I, and I take it you did not jump into the competition. I did not. Oh, no, 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 that's not for me. Uh, but it was, it was unbelievable. I truly loved it. And it it really, it ended my year just right. Wow. Yeah. And were we, I don't know, poking around on the apps at all just to see what's doing? Just to see who's there. And? Yeah, it's, you know, it's St. Louis. So like the third person is seven miles away. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it was like, and and also I just, I mean, it's, that's a lot of, yeah, no. That, that was not the energy of the trip. I it was not the energy of the trip. How was uh, how was your holiday season? You it did was some Laguna. Lovely. I did some Laguna time with Michael and Faye, which was great. Before that, I just was here hanging out. My mom came to visit. Uh, took her to see Wicked. Also took her to see a show called Come From Away. Ah, Are you familiar with that? I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Can you it. tell the people what Come From Away is? Well, I think I, you've yeah. spoken about it before. I have. It's a it's a wonderful Broadway musical about. Uh, the events in the days after September 11th, when a mm-hmm. bunch of planes were diverted to a tiny little town in Newfoundland, uh, which like swelled to twice its its uh, its population, and the 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 local people really went out of their way to uh, make sure everybody had everything that they needed. Yeah. Uh, saw it on Broadway with Ben uh, a few months back, and we were we needed to pull it together afterwards. <laughs> we were heaving with happy sobs. And then you went back for more the next time you we went have to now York. seen it twice on Broadway. Yeah. Well, I went into this feeling in a, a weird pressure in a way because I was like, well, if I don't have a similar experience, what is that going to do to my relationship with Dave? Yeah. Will, will this cause a fracture? Right. Um, and 
I'll be honest, the show begins, and of course it's set in 2001. Yeah. And people are dressed accordingly. Uh And so what we're seeing right off the bat is a lot of um, white people in like bootcut jeans. Sure. Doing sort of an earnest, uh, but like determined jig. Yes. And that's a hard aesthetic for me to (laughs) settle into. Yeah. And so if there was a moment where I was like, well, fuck, what am I going to tell? And then of course- we get into the meat of the show. We yeah. get into the September 11th of it all. I'm there with my mom who was, you know, I was, you were, we were both in New York on September yes, 11th, we were, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I mean, my, you know, my mom was very scared. It could not get a hold of me for a couple hours that morning. Yeah. And so there was a whole other layer of emotion there. Um, and it was just, it was fucking great. Also great the perfect way to end this shit show of a year. Yes. It reminds you of just the, the, the power of simple kindness. Yep. I loved it. Loved it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And did you get into any of the awards movies? Did you? Oh, God. What'd you see? Well, I took my 86-year-old very Catholic mother to see The Favorite. Oh, God. Why did you do this? Well, because there's fancy queens on the poster, and they're wearing capes, and I just thought it's, it's royal people from a long time ago. It's going to be fine. And it is a great movie. Oh, of I'm course. I'm dying to see it again without a face that is hot to the touch, you know, with like, <laughs> with, you know- it, the, just I, the ratings board takes children into account a lot mm-hmm. when when they make their ratings and say what kids should and should not see. They should take your elderly Catholic sure. uh, relatives into account yeah. also because you you may end up having to have some difficult conversations with them yeah. that they are not the appropriate age for. Um, it um, I've said this before, but I I I. I sitting next to my mom and watching her watch this just cunnilingus marathon. Uh-huh. I got to watch a memory get repressed in real time. You know what I mean? I <laughs> yeah, got yeah, to watch yeah. her just sort of, you know, um, afterwards she was just like, well, that was interesting. And we never talked about right. it again. You saw her opening up the little box and putting yep. it here and it unpacking there. that and yeah. placing it in, locking it up, tucking yeah. it away. Uh-huh. Now she has told this story, uh, like over Christmas dinner, she told this story. And apparently at several times I was like, look away, mom, look away. Which I mean, and it's not like that there's anything really visually uh-huh. explicit going on, but yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I took my mom to see it as well. Oh my God. She is, you know, also a mom. I, I think, uh, a, a, you know, less um, conservative than than yours, but I, you know, I, there was definitely more ladies in waiting competing over like who gets to like eat the queen out uh-huh. than 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 my mom was yes expecting. Yes, she was she was excited to see a costume drama, but sure. afterwards she was like, I think we should have seen Mary Queen of Scots. Yep, yep, that would be which I haven't seen, but I would say if you are thinking of taking your mother. That's the one to uh, yeah. I would I would I would go for that one. Last year it was so easy. It was the post with Meryl Streep as uh, that's right. Catherine Graham. That was so that was like perfect. That yeah. was made. It was made in a lab to take your old parents to over Christmas this year. This year was a little more difficult. Oh, there's First Man, which the, that to that's me is just a, a mom movie. Yeah, I will tell you my favorite movie of the year is um, uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Oh, I loved it. It's fucking. Great. Absolutely fantastic. It calls to mind the great New York movies of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. I love her look. She is brilliant in it. She's great. Richard, Richard Grant's Grant brilliant in it. Great. It's you know beautiful. who's awesome is Dolly Wells. Yes, I love her. Um, yeah, I, she and she doesn't do a ton, but she really stands out. Yeah, I, I love that movie. That's a movie I want to live inside. Uh-huh. And it's 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 funny and moving and beautifully directed, and it's also like really you're on the edge of your seat for yeah. it's it's so so perfect yeah also watched uh just now that screener season has begun watched uh black panther let me be the last to tell you black panther is very good you've just this was your first time seeing that's my first time seeing black panther Whoa. i enjoyed it i'm excited to see that's it my again. hot take you heard it here yeah uh our guest speaking spe- of hot takes speaking of hot takes oh he's got Woo. the hottest of takes yes he does He's uh, he he made me blush as if I were you watching the favorite with yep. my mom. Yep, he is. Uh, he will talk. He, he listen. What? Let's 
Let's just get out of the way and get him in here. Yeah. We've got Dr. Chris Donahue, uh, who, you know, from uh, the Loveline radio show. Mm-hmm. He co-hosts uh, Amber Rose's podcast mm-hmm. with her. He's one of those doctors who's all over TV yep. as a sex therapist and, uh, and uh, a, a, you know, a handsome guy with a lot of tattoos. A ton of hot tattoos. Dr. Chris Donahue's coming up after the break. Want those teeth straight? You know I do. Well, they look great, but if you feel like straightening them even further, Candid makes that process very convenient and easy by letting you take the process into your own hands and mouth. Well, that's right. With Candid, you can get straighter and brighter teeth in an average of six months and at 65% less than the cost of braces. Mm-hmm. Candid's clear aligners are sent directly to your home and are customized specifically for you to straighten your teeth. You're not going to get somebody else's set. God, I don't no. want somebody else's mouth. Hell no. I want my own. Starts with their modeling kit, which is sent directly to your home so you can take impressions of your own teeth. And then Candid's network of highly trained orthodontists review your sp- special specific case and then they provide you with a 3d preview of what your treatment will look like mm-hmm. their support team is available at all times over email and phone they'll even set up a video call to walk you through the modeling process as you are one step away from getting straighter whiter teeth take advantage of candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee and when you use our dedicated link which is candidco.com homo you will save 25 percent on your modeling kit that's a lot of percents that's CandidCo.com slash homo. 25% off the price of your modeling kit. CandidCo.com slash homo. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Dr. Chris Donahue. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I was just reminded that today is the release day of my new book, Rebel Love. So uh, uh-huh. I'm We're exceptional. at a copy right here. Break the rules. Destroy toxic habits. And have the best sex of your life. By so, Chris Donahue, PhD, co-host uh-huh. of The Amber Rose Show with Dr. Chris. Forward by Amber Rose. Yeah, she's in there. She's part of everything I do. I love it. <laughs> I love Ride it. Ride or die. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's a big day. It's an exciting day. It is. It is. I... I tried to squeeze so much into such a little, little box of a book, but um, there's a lot in there. So I, I just want to see what people think. I just want people to read. I want some of the, the love mail, the hate mail. Uh-huh. You're <laughs> going to get it. all the mail. The you are responsible for ruining our culture mail. Uh-huh. I'm, oh, I'm genuinely so excited. To, can I just read a little more from the back? Dr. Chris is the sex ex- the <laughs> sex expert you've been waiting for, refuses to pathologize those whose sexuality doesn't fit into a neat little box, and he doesn't just pay lip service to the pro-sex, feminist, and body-positive mores of the day. He demands them. Yes. <laughs> Rebel Love welcomes... I'm just going to continue. Who wrote reading. that? <laughs> we never do this, by the way. We never just th- go this shameless on a plug, but I am genuinely excited. But yeah. I'm going to continue reading. Rebel Love welcomes all sexualities and empowers you to be authentically who you are, both in and out of the bedroom. Dr. Chris's prescription for hotter, healthier sex reveals how traditional dating rules are toxic, encourages you to stop participating in patriarchal stereotypes, and helps you have the best sex of your life. Best of all, he shows you how, with real-world examples and inspirational case studies. So simple. I love this. So I can't simple. wait to dive in. <laughs> it's a big ask. Yeah. yeah. So what did you, like, while you were writing, what was your, can you do it with music? Or must you have total silence? (laughs) I have to write out of the house, at a coffee shop with people around me, but not Mm -hmm. interacting with me. So there's, there's no music, but there's a lot of like dogs, people spilling things. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's inspiration. I can't sit in silence. If I'm at home, I get distracted by the nothingness. Of course. There's always something to do. Totally. Yeah. In a coffee shop on the town, aren't people bothering and wanting to come up and say hello and get selfies and all that stuff? (laughs) I wish I was that known. That's what I would uh, do. It depends. Sometimes people will recognize me from the podcast, but, um, uh, you know, it's LA. And so I'm competing with, you know, big, big names around me at all times in the coffee shops or out in the world. And so uh-huh. I'm nothing compared to like, you know, those people. Well, let's talk about some of these <laughs> coffee shop sightings. Well, that's what I love about LA though, is you go into any coffee shop during the afternoon and it's people writing like a big TV show or right. a screenplay or, you know, their first book. And there's just something really beautiful and inspiring about that. Also, I like walking down Santa Monica Boulevard on a Friday night and you look at Starbucks and it's like 9 PM instead of going to drink, there's people in there like working on their dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I love about LA. Yeah. You know who I saw right before I came here at Jones on third, not to brag, Regis Philbin. No yeah. way. That's the place though. Like that's one oh, of those yeah. places. The place. Yeah. 
There used to be a place called Buddha's Belly. Oh, yeah. And one of my favorite celeb sightings, which, okay, so one of the biggest pieces of uh, advice someone gave me when I first moved here was a guy who did entertainment news. And he said, never become too cool for the celebrity sightings. Like, that's what makes LA awesome. So, like, allow yourself to get excited. So, within the first week I lived here, I've been here about a decade. I was sitting at Buddha's Belly eating Thai food next to Gwen Stefani. Wow. Like, that's a big deal. That's huge. To me, anyway. Yeah. This little boy from Philly. No, I was, I couldn't speak. Yeah, yeah, that's a don't speak. You know, uh-huh. it was not a song throwback, <laughs> but tied in. But sure. there she was in all her beauty. You know, wow. Um, I dumped protein goose all over the head of Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> protein what? Protein goose. I was at a, I was at a bike shop. I had just started biking, and he was there, and and he I think he was uh, it was just around Jarhead. Oh, so he right. had kind of like a short haircut, and he was very beefy, and he had. And, uh, and, and I saw him and then just, you know how like you immediately become aware of your entire body and what you're doing. Um, I, my bike was leaned up against a a wall of like protein goose. Like you take, if you're going to go on a long bike ride or something and he was like sort of shopping through them and I was like, Hey, let me get that bike out of your way. And then immediately like (laughs) you're talking too loud. This is what's going on. And I, and I moved the bike and the handlebar got caught on one of the boxes of protein goose that went all over his head. And, uh, and, and then I blacked out. Yeah. Like, I don't remember how that story ends. He remembers you. Oh, I'm sure he does. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure Which, he And does. you know what? He can't, you, there are probably many fans that he could say that about. Mm. That he, you know. Yeah. I've them. made an indelible mark. Okay. Okay. Two on his head. That's it's not going Well, uh, uh, Dr. Chris Donahue, what do you, what, like, what are you watching? Uh, do you have television? Do you have binge time? Yeah. Okay. So. In your busy life? Ugh. What I I'm watching The Good Wife for the seventh time. The seventh wow. time, all seven seasons for like the seventh time. I'm that guy. I don't have television, but I have streaming. Uh-huh. You've seen all seven seasons yeah. six times. Yeah, I can't get enough. Wow. It's so bizarre. I don't know what it is about that show. I've never wow. seen. Are I you serious? Of it. Well, you I gotta you gotta watch it. It's okay. it's probably one of the best. That and uh, Nurse Jackie. Okay. I watched all seven seasons of that like three or four times. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm that one. I just keep going back to what I like. Uh-huh. Real boring. No, that's not I boring. I eat the same foods. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm definitely that person. And I, I'm, I'm acting like I'm shocked, but it's like, did I just rewatch seasons four and five of Sex and the City over Christmas break? Yeah, I did. What, yeah. Wait, what are you watching currently, though? Is there a brand new show that you watch? Because I need some new stuff. Oh, God. What am I watching now? Uh, I don't know that there is. Yeah. I, I started with The Handmaid's Tale, but I... I I can't. Yeah, I can't either. Yeah. It was too upsetting. It's too much. It. Yeah, it went too deep. Yeah. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel also started. That's I nice. I keep hearing that. I couldn't get into that. Yeah. Um, I've been watching all the, you know, awards show movies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Vanderpump Rules. Okay. The other great awards show. Yeah. yeah. You, do, you do watch that? I do. Uh, I'm not saying that with any pride although we I'm are having uh, Billy Lee uh, who was on the show mm-hmm. uh, as a guest here uh, yes I think she might be on my show at some point as well oh Great. she's making the rounds yes. I, right. yeah. I haven't seen enough. the show though I, I don't watch Bravo um, I've had some of them on my show it's always interesting yeah okay. they're doing stuff they're doing yeah they're doing stuff you're doing being doing. very diplomatic and kind yeah <laughs> they're leaving they're leading that like 30s LA life totally yeah and you should see me interviewing them I'm like yeah, you're doing it. How's that going? Yeah. You know, they're like, it's good. I'm like, good. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. Yeah. What are your like foundational, like what did you grow up watching? Um, I was, it was pretty standard white suburban people bullshit. Like, um, I was watching, um, uh, I loved Silver Spoons <laughs> as a kid, mm-hmm. Mr. Belvedere. Mm-hmm. Like I was that guy. Mm-hmm. And then Cosby's. Cosby, Cosby, singular, not plural. Um, well, I watched all of them. Um, that kind of stuff. And right. then I guess in my teenage years, I don't know. My teenage years, I was just trying to like be really punk rock and do a lot of drugs. Uh-huh. I watched a show sometimes called 160 Minutes on MTV. Uh-huh. It was oh, all right. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Okay. You added an extra 40 to that show? That's fine. Maybe oh, did you I? Watch some oh, did I? Did yeah, yeah, yeah. I? Actually, yeah. 120 minutes. It was 120 minutes. Yeah. 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 That I, was like that was my go-to. Just FYI, I mean that was like epic. Remind me show. what that one was. That was the Sunday night alternative music show. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is way before your time. 
No, it was no, during. That during. was his time. But that I'll tell you something. You yeah, know, I did it for a while. Shows like that were really profound because things are different now. So when I first started getting tattooed at 17, it was a very radical act. It mm-hmm. wasn't normalized. And when I moved out here, I was shocked to see how many people had them. And so shows like that were very normalizing. Yeah. Because there wasn't a space to see myself reflected back. Because back then, it was so counterculture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's very normalized, which is cool. Awesome. Yeah. But back then, that was like the sight of like, you're normal. Here you are. You can find community yeah. on television. What That's were your bands back then? Uh, I was, I was so, I was a big Jane's Addiction fan. I was like the Jane's Addiction, Nine Inch Nails, Susie and the Banshee, Cure kind of kid. Uh-huh. That was my stuff. Wow. Still and who, is. What, it still is? Yeah, I dip into that. I mean, it's strange. These days I only listen to music at the gym. Uh, I, and again, I listen to the same stuff over and over. Like I'm a big Jimmy Eat World fan, which is oh, very yeah. bizarre sometimes. Some people don't get it. I'm like, it's one of my favorite bands. They're like, it's no one's favorite band. You yeah, know? I can't say I've ever heard that. that was yeah. They're, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> ben, my boyfriend, yeah. loves them. They're like, great. goes bananas over them. And so yeah, I good. like them a lot too. They're, yeah. they're a solid band. If I'm in a bad mood, I put them on. I feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if we were to look at your phone and what, and look at your Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. Oh, we're going that way? I wasn't recent. sure where we were going. I was like, if you looked at the other parts <laughs> yeah. of my phone, you'd have a lot of fun yeah, We're going to get into all I got of into that. a whole video where I was like videoing everything, but we're talking about music. All right, what? <laughs> what would your recent searches be? <clears throat> on my internet browser? On your uh, whatever Spotify? music service you Spotify, use. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, well, so now I work at a radio station and they're constantly playing bands I've never heard of. Um, so a lot of that, trying to keep up with that, but, um, uh, nothing interesting, really, really bizarre one-offs. Yeah. Okay. I don't have anything good. Is there, is there, have you been introduced to anything that you actually liked by the, uh, by the radio station? Uh, this girl named Halsey. Uh huh. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) She's cool. Lord's cool. Um, what else did I learn through them? Uh, some of these DJ guys. I mean, this is the worst conversation ever. I'm sorry. I'm so it's not like music. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you do. Some there's, Sia. Okay. Sia is, of course, fantastic. But the, there, there does come a time when it's just, it kind of starts to whiz past you. It it does. That's what I think is happening. I don't know if it's an age thing or that music's moving very quickly with technology. That's, yeah. Okay. It's, both. it's, it's mostly the latter. Fast though, I, I love the idea, though, that people now can produce their own music sitting in their basement. Yeah. I love that. I saw an interview where Mary J. Blige was like pissed. You know, she's like, I'm now, I, you know, record record labels don't matter as much. And how am I supposed to get my music out there and competing? And I'm like, yeah, you are. That's good. I want that little 12-year-old using GarageBand in her basement to give you competition. Yeah. So people like Grimes, I love that shit. Yeah. She doesn't need a record label. Stuff's out there. Stuff's awesome. Breaking boundaries. Like, yeah. I love that stuff. I love it. And yeah. if Mary J is having trouble with a record label, maybe she can work with one of those she's basement doing kids. Fine. Yes, she's doing and fine. she will always be doing fine. She will always be doing fine. <laughs> yeah. She will be locked in an endless cycle of drama and then no more drama. <laughs> right? She'll get angry about something and then she'll give a break right. to a Grammy performance. We don't got to worry about her. And she's work good. it out. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. Um, can you give us just some greatest hits on the, on the sleeves and tattoos? The good, the greatest, not the worst. <clears throat> both. Let's, say let's, both. Okay. Okay. let's do both. Uh, the greatest hits would be, I have two Joan of Arc, um, a, a literal Joan of Arc portrait and then a quote. She uh-huh. was a big idol of mine. Yeah. We never got to meet, yeah, but um, she still she lives on in my, in my mind. Um, so those, and then I have ones that kind of document all the different cities I lived in, which, which are, uh, Philadelphia, LA, New York. Uh-huh. Very you know integral mm-hmm. part of my development. Uh, the worst one is the first one at a party in the basement. Some oh, girl no. with an in, a needle and Indian ink. Oh no! Gave me my first one across my pelvis, like <gasps> really in the crotch area. Oh no! And then I had sex with her as my friends watched. What? Like I was that sixteen year old. Okay. What? What is the tattoo? Truly one of a kind. <laughs> yeah, it's a this ugly tribal thing. It's bad. And then I went to get it fixed by some dude who's Uh just starting out. And then he did it with his like kit in his kitchen. Mm -hmm. So it got worse, but bigger. Yeah. So I learned, go to a shop. You did not have sex with him in front of your friends. I I did not. I probably tried, but I wasn't able to pull that (laughs) off. Uh So I was always kind of pushing the boundaries sexually, identity wise. Mm -hmm. Um, And now even psychologically, like I think psychology is such a big bag of bullshit. Like it's so problematic. It's very pathologizing of anything diverse and creative. Um, It's definitely too centered around heterocentricity and whiteness. And so my work is always trying to just bring in social justice and feminism and sex positivity. And there's not enough people doing it. So I'm always telling the kids, get into the field, shake it up because it matters. Law, medicine, it's all, it all creates what's considered healthy and unhealthy in our culture. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Well, and we were talking about this before we started that, I, I mean, I know I seem like a dum-dum, but I'm surprised <laughs> to know that you are still practicing yes. while doing, while writing books and co-hosting multiple shows and doing all that stuff. Sure. Um, 
but I'm I, I'm curious what it's like still practicing when you are also a known per if your patients come in with yeah. any especially in LA, I would imagine there there's some weirdness. Yes, there there's there's been. Uh there's weirdness because my specialty is uh relational marital and sex therapy and the sex therapy piece confuses some people. Mm-hmm. So I've had people come in thinking that it will include touch or sex. And at some point they're like, so I'm seeing we're not going to be having sex. And I'm like, we absolutely are not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that comes in. Uh, and then people come in that are a fan of my work and they soon realize that however they see me on the podcast or the television, that it's real. Like yeah. I'm a licensed therapist. Like we're, we're, we're going to be doing deep, important work. Um, so I, you know, I get all of it, but yeah, I still practice. Um, you know, I went through this uh, phase where early on in my career, I was trained to believe I had to look like a doctor. So I'd wear long sleeve dress shirts. I never showed my tattoos. And now it's quite the opposite where I realize, um, my message is about authenticity and the health of diversity. And so I now always show my tattoos, even when I'm lecturing at a really important professional conference, I make sure to show my tattoos and to kind of like, just have my presence and active resistance, just like my work. So it's all kind of tied in. That's awesome. Yeah. It's important. What do you make of more experimental therapy types like in the realm of like Reiki and Mm. that type of body work? Um, I would say that the studies on the efficacy of that are questionable. However, I support anything alternative or progressive because we need to get away from uh, the professionalization of everything. The idea that if it's not professionally – uh, the idea that if it's not part of the majority, that it doesn't have value because these things do. I have some clients and friends that have gone to do acupuncture and herbal treatments and whatnot, and it's been phenomenal for them and hypnotherapy, but the field doesn't want to accept it as legit, but that doesn't mean it's not. It yeah. doesn't mean it doesn't have a purpose. Right. So um, I love it. I'd love to get into that. Yeah. Ayahuasca and microdosing, your take. Um, you know, again, similar response. I think it's been really powerful for some people, you know, friends and clients that have done it and, um, they've had profound transformative experiences and the question should be, does it help? Um, and we can't really answer that with studies. You're not going to be able to quantify that, but qualitatively people's experiences are, yes, it was profound. I grew and it's been meaningful. And so I'm like, have at it. I would never do it. I have a really profound drug history. And so I have to avoid things like that. It's very confusing to me. Um, I don't like to feel out of control. So I check in on those pieces, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you done it? Do you want to do it? I have done something similar to ayahuasca. Okay. What's that? Wachuma. Which is oh. like it's a di- it's the same thing but it's different. And okay. instead of Peru, I did it in some dude's backyard. And so it's Jersey, <laughs> it's yeah. the Jersey North. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was. There's this guru shamaness woman who travels the world and does these awesome. Wachuma ceremonies. So and what and would you say was wealthy your, hippies? What was your experience? It. Um, it was very mild and whoa, they just okay. shook it off. Um, it was it was. Um, it was mild. I had eaten late the night before, which I think you're not supposed to do. So that might have. That might have like weakened it or something. Right. Everyone around me was crying. Uh, everybody around me was vomiting. Um, it was just a lot of – there was a drum circle. Um, I did not – I don't know that I necessarily got any profound okay. um, truths from it. So we don't know if it was the Chipotle or if it was yeah. the drug. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's not – I have a profound fear of vomiting and – Diarrhea, and yeah. so anything I can do to avoid those, mm-hmm. I must. Yeah, and <laughs> that's totally. kind of built in. I've told this before, but I used to be a, a personal assistant to um, a person who had ayahuasca gatherings regularly, and part of my job was like laying down the tarps uh-uh. at the house uh-huh. because fluids are going to be coming out uncontrollably. Then I, I, I think that they just can't be predicted, wow. and so and. Um, They'd be like, you know, if you ever want to partake, after after I laid all the tarps down, I was like, you know what, I'm good. Yeah, thank I'm you. With you on that. I'm okay. not going to do it, but got my support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to take a little break. Yes, we're going to drop ayahuasca. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> shit gonna, our pants. We're going to shit our pants and vomit it in the trash can, and then we'll be right back. Want those teeth straight? You know I do. Well, they look great, but if you feel like straightening them even further, Candid makes that process very convenient and easy by letting you take the process into your own hands and mouth. 
Well, that's right. With Candid, you can get straighter and brighter teeth in an average of six months and at 65% less than the cost of braces. Mm-hmm. Candid's clear aligners are sent directly to your home and are customized specifically for you to straighten your teeth. You're not going to get somebody else's set. God, you don't no. want somebody else's mouth. Hell no. I want my own. Starts with their modeling kit, which is sent directly to your home so you can take impressions of your own teeth. And then Candid's network of highly trained orthodontists review your sp- special, specific case. And then they provide you with a 3D preview of what your treatment will look like. Mm -hmm. Their support team is available at all times over email and phone. They'll even set up a video call to walk you through the modeling process. As you are one step away from getting straighter, whiter teeth, take advantage of Candid's risk-free modeling kit guarantee. And when you use our dedicated link, which is candidco.com slash homo, you will save 25% on your modeling kit. That's a lot of percents. That's CandidCo.com slash homo. 25% off the price of your modeling kit. CandidCo.com slash homo. And we're back with Dr. Chris Donahue. Hi, Dr. Chris. Hey, guys. I'm still here. <laughs> Great. So glad. Um, so now we're going to we kind of want to dive into your personal life a little bit. You, you yeah. mentioned being a, uh, a rebel teenager. Where was, was this in Philadelphia? Philadelphia and then New York. Uh-huh. Oof. Can okay. we go back to the to grow, the tattoo experience and you had sex with her in front of your friends? <laughs> yeah. I was hoping to just skirt by that. I can't believe that <laughs> fell out, but yeah, I'm all about honesty. Mm-hmm. Sure. Why, how, how do you get to the moment of, and now we're going to have sex and we're going <laughs> to do it while everyone's watching. Well done. So it wasn't a planned performance. It was a little impromptu. Um, long story short, after she gave me the tattoo, she was like, oh, I didn't get to really party or hang out. And I was like, well, let's go do it. So we went into the other room and my friends then wound up entering and watching and we were drunk enough. You know, that's what we did. I, I ran with a really powerful crowd in that. Um, I was lucky to be around people that were very sexually explorative. And so at that point I was dating girls, but then dating guys and girls. And I was dating some girls that would also let me make out with their boyfriends. And so it was very um, confident in this. And that was good. I needed that because most people don't have such social support like that. Maybe they do these days actually. But back then when I was like 15, 16, 17, there, there wasn't anything that represented uh, sexual fluidity, queerness, or gayness, right? Mm-hmm. It was very limited. So I was thankful that I had a social crowd that was part of the, you know, punk scene or um, the industrial scene or whatever the words are, the alternative scene. And they kind of allowed that exploration. So I'm thankful for that. What kind of, what kind of family did you grow up in? Um, are you Irish Catholic? I am. Well done. So how, how did, how did your family react to you running with this powerful crowd? Uh, it was hard on them. Yeah. Often there was these fights about you're not coming to eat dinner out with us if you're going to wear all black, uh-huh. you know, uh, but mom, that's who I am. Yeah. Uh, they, they struggled, but at some point they got, they allowed, I was a good kid, you know, and that was, so they had to kind of digest that even though I was doing these things that was very radical at the time, how I was dressing the music I was listening to. And I was bringing friends over that were, that would now be identified as trans, but back then we didn't have those words. Mm-hmm. Like back then, think back to those times. We didn't have that word. So I don't know what word we used. They were androgynous. I don't even know. Yeah. So I brought people like that around and they were always good people. You know, we were using drugs and stuff, but we weren't like, you know, doing anything problematic beyond that. So they, they started to get comfortable and then I got into the tattoos and they were not cool with that at all. But the more tattoos I got, the more advanced degrees I got and the more my career progressed and so right. they just accepted so now they're great but back then it was it was hard yeah wow yeah um wh- what was coming out like specifically yeah ah uh, man i wish i had been more solid in it i i came out as confused and bi uh-huh. you know, and that was confusing to them because they had seen me see me publicly date a lot of women and my mom was always <clears throat> she said if i believed you i'd be okay with it but i don't really believe that you're gay or into men. I think it's a phase. And my dad was the funny one. It was kind of odd. He was like, well, college is a time when you explore, you know, and people explore. And I, and he was just so supportive. He's like, so do your exploration and whoever you are, we love you still. And I kind of thought it would be the reverse. Right. So my dad was cool. I don't know if he had his own explorative history. I don't know where that came from because living in the suburbs, I was the son of a doctor and we were Irish Catholic and I went to private Catholic school. They should not have been as open as you know, they were. Yeah. yeah you got um, lucky. Yeah. Mom struggled a little bit, but then she's chill now. Uh-huh. Loves it. You know? So you, you so uh, the buy label for you was just sort of a transition tool. You, you don't identify as buy. 
today, um, correct? Correct. Identify more as like sexually fluid and um, non-labeled. Oh. So um, I <laughs> I enjoy having sex with all gendered bodies, but I tend to only date men or trans men. So there's something. So it's kind of like when we break down romanticism and sexuality, you would say I am um, maybe like pansexual, but homo romantic, mm-hmm. where my romanticism is more geared towards men and masculinity, but sexuality, it's a little more broad and open. Interesting. Yeah, it's a wild world. I mean, here's what I say all the time, too, is that, you know, when I was hanging out with heterosexuals, except for this one pocket that was open to everything, they generally never said, you know, try being with dudes. And then when I was running the gay world, they never say, oh, try being with girls. And so it was very confusing. Um, and there's so, a stigma on both sides. Absolutely. Right. So I had to then find this like queer intermediate crowd that was like, just do whatever you want to do. I think if more people had that, they'd maybe be more explorative. Yeah. Cause you forget like you're, you're dating a dude. Uh-huh. So when's the last time someone said, Hey, have you ever thought about being with a girl? Uh, no, never. Yeah. yeah okay. No. So, and so you no. don't, no. Yeah. but maybe yeah. if you had that more around you, you might consider some aspect or element of right. it. Or maybe not. I don't know. What right. about you? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. As far gay on the Kenzie scale as you can get. And I, I also, almost all of my close friends are women. And so there's feel, there's something very like, um, it almost feels it's, it's hard yeah, to it's imagine to even wrap my mind around that. And yeah. I, when I was younger, I always did the thing of like vaginas are disgusting and all that bullshit, which is horrible. And I would not speak that way now. Right. Um, but also they're disgusting. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. You're like, I'm but kidding. can we get real? They no, are. no, no, yeah. no. Um, what was uh, Catholic school like for you? Was it single sex? <laughs> Uh, it was, it was mixed. Thankfully okay, okay. I, that was good. That was good. But you know, we'd wear like little suits and ties sure. and go to church, I think. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we had to go to church. Right. Uh, it was a mess. I hated it. I was miserable. I hung out with the public school kids. I begged to go to public school and they were like, nah, yeah. you're going to get that good education. And like I did and I didn't right. You know, uh, academically the education's awesome, but socially it sucked. They yeah. set me up for nothing. Nothing. They set me up for, you know, bullshit politics. Public school would have been real and honest as to how the world works, more diversified, all kinds of people. There was one black person in my school. There was no one gay. Yeah. That's a mess. That is so a scary mess. Yeah, yeah, that's not how the real world works. So I wasn't prepared. But then and I ran up to New York and I was. Yeah. I bet it's still that way. It is. It like, is. When I go home, yeah. it's horrifying. Yeah. I've, you know, my nieces and nephews are all in Catholic schools and I, I'm certain that they don't know a gay person. Yes. It's 2019. Yeah, yeah, you know, but yep. it, 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 that that kind of educational system just doesn't foster that at all. No, and then it turns out, like a decade later, I ran into someone who taught there, and he remembered me. I didn't really remember him, and then it, and he was gay, but he wasn't allowed to be openly gay when I was in high school. It would have been cool had I known that. Uh, funny enough, a decade later, I ran into him. He was trying to sleep with me, so that was weird. What? But I should have done it just for like the cachet of it. Like, yeah, I banged my uh, high school, whatever. But I didn't. Was do it, it o- was it overt? Oh yeah, he was drunk. He was like, you look good. And I was like, thanks. You don't. <laughs> oh, that's the real. But how hot would that? it have been to have oh done God. it? Yeah. I always say I'm so lucky that none of the teachers that I lusted after were gay or if they were, were not interested in me because it, I for sure would have, you know, gone there. Oh, totally. And, you know, that would have been a lot to unpack. Yeah. It would have. Especially the, uh, for them. The young yeah. monk that I sort of like had a crush on in seventh and eighth grade later left the order and came out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's He's a bummer that he, it's world. a bummer that he had to leave the order most likely to come out. Yeah. That breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah. So Dr. Chris, yes. you are single, correct? Yeah. I, uh, left an engagement this past last January. So I'm a year out of, I'm a year single. Okay. Wow. How long How, was that relationship? A couple years. It was heartbreaking. I'm still like, I still get triggered a little bit. He was a uh, porn performer. Mm -hmm. And so it's for most people, if you date someone in the public eye, because he was in his world, um, it's hard to get over them if you have to keep seeing them in different ways. And if you watch porn or you go on any porn search sites, his stuff is always popping up. So it's really hard to go through like the needed healing process when you're constantly seeing them and seeing them having sex with people. And uh, we used to go to the same gym. It was like all these things. I was like, I just need like space away. So I've taken a break from porn. And also, luckily, he's not around much anymore. So, yeah. Wow. Mom and dad loved that. Mom, yeah. me and my fiance, he does porn. Yeah. How <laughs> but, did you know, they react? Just sticking with what, you know, I'm always shaking up. Um, this is what I did. I did it horribly. I did not take my own advice, as we tend to not. So, instead of doing it, 
I don't know, nicely. I met, we all flew into Palm Springs. My parents flew in from the East Coast. And um, I was kind of like, he also was a comedian. So I was like, he's a comedian. I started with that. Uh-huh. And then I gave him like an hour. And once they, within an hour, like, he's really great. I was like, and he does porn. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was yeah. just like silence in the car. I waited till we were all like trapped in the car that I was driving. Oh and then God. I dropped it. It was like silence. And I was like, wait and see, who's going to speak first and what are they going to say? And he's giving me like, you know, the look of death, like, fuck you, you know, not the way to do it. But then finally my mom's like, okay. They learned to love him. Funny enough though, months in, my mom says, Chris, I got to have a talk with you. And I was like, what's up? She's like, I'm really uncomfortable about what I got to tell you. And I was like, what? She's like, I had to unfollow him on Facebook. And I was like, why were you ever following him on Facebook? Because he posts his work on his oh, social God. media. Oh, no. She's no. like, it was hard to see his little face doing those things. Oh, I was like, no. yeah, don't no. follow him. <laughs> but no, I love no. you for having tried. Yeah, that's very sweet. Yeah. But here's my question. Was yes. it hard for you to see his little face doing those things? Um, no, turn me on. Uh uh, you know, there was moments where it was the wrong day at the right moment. I'm sorry, the wrong day at the wrong moment to maybe be on his Twitter and to see it. But generally, you know, I knew what I was getting myself into. I really, really loved him. We had an awesome relationship. Um, and so I just learned to be supportive. And I was very supportive. Like, I helped him connect with people, meet people. I helped him try to develop his platform and to use it politically. And so he became one of the few people with his massive following to like speak out about stuff and call out like sexual racism and body shaming and all these things. So it was like really beautiful. Um, I'm sure I lost some cred for dating him, but fuck it. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to live my life authentically. I loved him and he did what he did and I support sex work. Um, but it was hard sometimes. Uh Yeah. It's harder now upon reflection. It's difficult. It's not for everyone. I'm just such a jealous monster that, uh, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, but I'm curious if the, Obviously, only in, only in so much as you're comfortable talking about it. But if the boundaries were 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 they exclusive to his work? Meaning, yes. So the word we used was pornogamous. Ah, oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. So we were monogamous except for his work, and it's a trust based thing. And so people would be like, "Well, do you trust that he's not doing things outside?" That? And I was like, "Yeah, I have to. And if I don't, I need to not be with him, or we need to have an adult talk." Right. And so I'm the person that chooses to trust until I'm shown otherwise. And so I was like, "I trust that you'll go to set, do your work, and then you'll come home to me." And um, and as far as I know, it worked, and I was content. And people said, "Well, is that fair that he gets to have this diversified sex life with some of the hottest people on the planet, and you don't?" And I was like, "Well, um, in some respects, you could see it that way. In other respects, he comes home with his body." sore and hurting because he's in these odd angles for long periods of time. It's not pleasure based. It's visually based. So it's awkward is, are there moments of fun? I'm sure. But, um, he wasn't comfortable with an open relationship oddly. So he was like, I really prefer us to be monogamous. And I was like, that's cool. I work a lot. I don't have time to be having tons of sex with people. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, anyway, so yeah, we were pornogamous. I would not do it again. You would not date a porn former again. Uh, let me, let me correct that. (laughs) I, I, I would do, if, if I were to, I would make sure we structured it very, very differently. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some trauma to get through and parts of me want to say I would not period. Yeah. It's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. What is your method of working through trauma when that, that's something that you do for everyone else? I'm curious how you, what what trauma are we talking about? (laughs) Well, that specifically, I mean, recovering from a relationship. Sure. Uh, One, just being very loving with myself. And I, after that relationship, I went through a period where I had no sex drive. And that was shocking to me. I've always been very hypersexual. And all of a sudden, sex was a trigger and porn became a trigger where even if it wasn't his porn, I still felt uncomfortable. And I'm thinking about all the things that came around him and his friends and his colleagues and his work. And so sex started to overwhelm me. Instead of like panicking or forcing it, I just kind of let it be. And I took a break from it. Um, I tried to use him to be part of the healing process. We worked very much on having a friendship after a breakup so we could work our way out like we worked our way in, which Mm. FYI to the listeners is the most ideal configuration. Like you don't leave relationships by burning them down. Mm. You lovingly worked in, try to lovingly work out and support each other. And we did initially. So that was beautiful. And just honoring my boundaries where I had to make sure I didn't get pulled back in and, and confuse the intimacy of friendship as being us working towards romanticism again. Um, I also uh, dated immediately 
which I'm a fan of going right into dating. Me the too. length of time between relationships doesn't promise the success or health of the next one. I don't believe in the rebound concept. So I dated immediately. I needed to remind myself I was desirable and fuckable and dateable because I didn't feel that way. But the gnarly thing are some of his fans. To this day, it's now a year later, every blue moon, I'll post a random Instagram post that has nothing to do with anything. It could be me drinking coffee and they're like, I bet you miss his dick. Oh and you're like, God. really? No, no, you're no, gross. No, like, no, who no, does no. that? Oh my God. So there's these moments of forced re-traumatization where people are saying horrible, horrible things, which is so gross. Um, the other thing is I also just said to him, be publicly kind. Please don't, in a problematic moment, tweet out to your following anything horrible about me. And we, we both have thus far have honored that. So yeah. not still friends. I take it. Uh, we are not. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> but that's part of my self-care. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> it got to a point where I was like, this isn't working anymore. I, I need total removal yeah, right yeah. now. So how do you meet new people? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I'm a lot, I'm a handful. Um, I think my work can overwhelm people. Um, I have a lot of needs if I'm going to date someone. Um, I'm online. I'll just be, I'm online. I, I don't, I'm not in a lot of venues where I can meet people, maybe the gym, but a lot of my job is in isolation. So I don't meet people. Um, I'm, I'm decently social, so I'm online, but you know, yeah. You You're great. using the apps. Sure. Yeah. I am. Okay. Yeah. But I, it's also important that I do. It helps me also speak to write to understand better and be able to help my clients and stuff with it. It's a world. What is a, um, what's a typical app, uh, interaction with <laughs> Dr. Chris? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I would say most likely my questions are a little more in depth, explorative and profound than people are used to. So I'm yeah. not like, Hey, what's up? Nothing. What's up? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? Uh, you know, like yeah. I go all in a little bit more and it just really flushes out like who has the capacity to really relate and have intimacy. I also take it offline as fast as possible. I don't want to be on the app for a zillion years. Mm -hmm. So if I throw you my phone number quickly and that overwhelms you, good to know you're either not interested enough or you're really not assertive enough or whatever it is. And I want to meet up immediately. Like, let's go for coffee. What are you waiting for? What are you doing in an hour? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh -huh. What's up? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so fast and confident. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's good. You need to be like that. Any examples of these questions that you're throwing out there? Uh, it's so specific. They're based on the profile. And yeah. Yeah. I dive into people's work, which is so offensive to some people. And you say, then what do you do? But if you don't ask me what I do, you're missing out on understanding my politics, my identity, my passion. So I love when people are like, what do you do in the world? What do you do in the world for 30 to 80 hours? Like it's an important question. So I ask that. Um, I also get into politics a lot. Right. I want to make sure they're not have offensive politics, which I've gone on some dates. I'll tell you this two stories I love. No. I went on a date once. Within the first couple of minutes, dude literally says to me, just so you know, I sometimes make racist jokes. Oh, no, 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 So that's I, why I want to go out immediately. Like I want to yeah. hear that immediately so I can be like, thank you for giving me a heads up literally within five seconds before we sat down for coffee because we're not going to sit down. And then my other favorite one was we hung out. Things were cool. I then, because usually I do a very chill, open date. Like, let's just go for coffee or this is odd to people, but I'll say, come over to my place and let's have wine. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, your mouth dropped. Why do you do that? Because it, well, <laughs> it's just so bold. Okay. I, th I think it's it's just so... Um, unconventional because okay. it's generally either we're meeting in a public place mm -hmm. and maybe that's drinking or maybe it's coffee yes. or whatever. Or if you're coming to my house right. for first meeting, that just means we're fucking. Okay. So does that sound creeper? No, yeah. no, no. Actually okay. it's, uh, it's refreshing. Yeah. Maybe it's that's healthy. why people are. Yeah. So this is, so that's like step one, like coffee or my place for wine because I'm a talker and I like a lot of closeness and intimacy. And I want to know that we can like, I, I date to be transformed and to transform, which sounds grossly therapeutic, but like, I want to be around people that like, they're going to introduce me to things. I'm going to learn things like we're going to do stuff. Right. So that's my shtick. And I assess it based on that. So the one guy passed step one and I was like, let's go get some food. Cause that's like step two. I'll now go out in the world with you. So we get to the Mexican restaurant and he then goes on a tirade about how he can't stand what's going on in the trans movement and people's preferred pronouns and how ridiculous. And I have a ton of friends that are trans and they're the most powerful, creative, authentic, confident inspiring people I know. And so it was offensive on like every level. But again, it was like, thank you for telling me that as soon as possible, yep. because this is so over. This will never work. New. I, wow. Yeah. I'm never, <laughs> who this, says that? I know. No. Especially queer people who are like, we're too inclusive. You know, it's like, what is that? What that's fuck? what he was saying though. And it was yeah, kind of that's... like, God forbid you have to remember people's pronouns. Do you have a problem remembering their name? Cause if you can remember names, you can remember pronouns. And if you can't ask and who cares anyway, shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. Like it's called compassion. 
Oh, God. But it's still that's what's that's what's great about dating is I get to be reminded like what's still going on out there at some people. Like mm-hmm. I thought we were beyond some of this. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Oh no, so much racism and um body shaming, tons of body shaming. Sorry, my dog is farting. Not to body shame her, but yes. there's a yeah. I can't smell happening. It. Luckily it's, it's on really, your side. It's yeah. it's truly on our side. I'm so it's sorry. It's really pointed directly at <laughs> It's truly right um, in my mouth. So are you noticing then trends toward <clears throat> more offensive politics in, in like our younger a trend or, or no, just I think a, an ability to speak more openly about them. Yes. Maybe. I'm seeing a trend where we're openly talking about body shaming, race, fat rights, all these things, and a trend in the good direction of inclusivity and acceptance. Okay, That's good. beautiful. Yeah. I, I wish I was raised. I wish I had been an adolescent and teenager in our current culture. And maybe everyone says that, but it would have made life so much easier who knows who I'd even be. I don't know. I, you know, like when we were kids, we had very few options. Like we were raised as a dude and you stay a dude and that's all you got. Right. Where now you can be anything. And I love that non-gendered, non-binary. Um, you can be whatever you want. You can flip your gender day by day, hour by hour. That is awesome. I work with my patients on not choosing anything. You know, a lot of people come mm-hmm. in they're like, Oh, well I, you know, I believe that if I don't feel comfortable in my male assigned to birth identity, it must mean I'm female. Nope. Doesn't necessarily, you know what I mean? There's a 15,000 things that might mean. Let's choose something else or nothing, you know? It's a beautiful time. Wow. But also, I think, you know, <clears throat> um, I, I can't speak to the trans issue, right. but, but I, I feel like uh, to be 14 years old and gay now, I think, would be just as terrifying but for completely different reasons. Because you'd be on Grindr at 14. you'd be on Grindr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I might be I might be dead if I had Grindr when I was a teenager. I didn't no know how to take care of myself. I didn't have boundaries. I no impulse control. Yeah. I probably would have gotten myself in some really problematic situations. Yeah. So that's well said. Yeah. yeah. Did you get yourself in problematic I sure situations did. when yeah. you were younger? Yeah, I, I did. Sure did. Yeah. I, I, I remember, you know, uh, going into the gay bars in Philly at like 15 and 16 and they would have these like underage nights and I would find guys to go into the bar, do a shot, hold it in their mouth, bring it into the underage and then spit it into my mouth to get Oh my booze. God. Like I was that guy. Wow. Like I was, I was advanced. I was always pushing those envelopes. Wow. wow. You were an entrepreneur. I was, that, that is my new label. I was an entrepreneur. Yes. I was building. Wow. Yeah. But I survived and I'm thankful for all of it. Because now I'm like writing books like this that are um, built on having lived that life and coming on the other side and understanding the value of some of that. And there's a lot of um, passion and strength, I think, that comes from my history. But yeah, I got into a lot of trouble as a kid in those ways, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And with, you know, I mean, you really had to work hard. Yes. Back then? Yeah. yeah, It was not easy. You had to go to it. Yes. Yeah. It did not come to you. Um, What catches your eye? Like what, what, what turns your head? Just in general, it could be it could be visually, emotionally, whatever. Like, what do you? That's a good question. What sparks interest? Um, in I you? follow a lot of animal things on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, are I, you watching those dodo videos? I that sure get am. Me through those are each beautiful and adorable beautiful. and the yes. sweetest thing ever. Um, I'm a foodie. Yeah, but I'm vegan. So it's a specific foodiness, but I like checking out all the new restaurants. We live in LA. There's always like a new plant-based restaurant popping up. So I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. That's the other part that's difficult dating me is like, I primarily will only eat at those restaurants. And so to date me is to, um, to date me requires a sophistication to be able to be excited about being introduced to new cuisine. Right. That's how I frame it. Mm-hmm. AKA, sorry about it. Yeah. But you don't require the same in your partner. You don't, I mean. I've never dated a vegan. It'd be cool. Yeah. Be easier. Yeah. But what grabs me? Um, books. Uh-huh. I have a huge library at my place, tons of books. I'm always reading multiple books. I love libraries and used bookstores. Um, I'm a big coffee shop guy, so I'm always checking out the new coffee shops. I feel like these are boring answers. Well, yeah, what grabs you when you are on the apps? Oh, good question. How do you choose the person you get That's into those uh, deep dive questions with? Uh, so people will tend to want to over-prioritize intellect and they'll say things like, oh, I don't really care what they look like as long as they're smart. I care what they look like. I think yeah. it's important to be attracted to the people you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. I tend to be attracted to people that surprises people. Like my what's attractive to me is is not always traditional. Let's hear some names. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, let's 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 give uh, some, some prototypes. Uh, yeah, some, some examples. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not. Tr- I'll say it like this. I'm not. Although, although my ex checked all the standard traditional attractiveness boxes, um, I'm not. I'm not obsessed with gym culture. 
So I'm those, I'm that person online. That's like, I don't care about your abs. Like that's not, that means nothing to me. So I, I care. I like all diverse kinds of bodies. Um, I far from obsessed with dating only white guys. I prefer to not date white guys. I do date white guys, but, um, I love people of different cultures, um, and, and racial backgrounds. Um, so, uh, you know, what a lot, I'm outside of what a lot of those problematic politics are. Um, yeah. Are you uh, a messenger or a messaged? So this is this is the struggle in my sex and dating life is that no matter what role I'm trying to play, I'm always the dom top no matter what's happening. Yeah. Like I'm just such an assertive, aggressive person that um, I, I get burnt out on that though. Like I get really tired. And so I'm also practicing being a little more receptive. So it's like, you, feel free to hit me up. Like, feel free to carry the conversation because I'm so burnt out on always being the one that like starts and initiates and sets it up. And I'm burnt out on that. Even when I'm bottoming, I'm like dom topping you. Like, mm-hmm. it's really hard to find someone who can just straight up dom top me, period, no matter what we're doing. Uh-huh. Without the, you be wanting to control the. Yeah, posture. man. I mean, part of it's me. Like, I, I need to let go a little bit, but I also it's hard to find someone that can like just top me. I'm an intense, big person, you know, bring it on listeners. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> So, Dr. Don, you're on Instagram. Slide on into my DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're blushing. (laughs) Um, Prior to uh, the porn performer relationship, what was your last (laughs) significant one? Um, He had just left porn. (laughs) Really? Okay. I that's swear okay. that's so it. I do it's have. No, just two in a row. That was it. Okay. Nothing. But um, I, I've never, this is actually an interesting thing. I've ne- I've always been the higher earner. I've always been the one that was most grounded. I don't, I tend to date younger starter uppers. And so I'm really trying to work on not doing that. I'm really trying to focus on dating people in my age bracket that are a little more self-actualized. Um, but again, I just been with someone for a few years and prior to them, that's just where I was at. I think I was just creating, developing, and I just wanted a lot of energy and excitement and passion. And so I saw younger people that were just like full of energy and life to help like propel me. And I wasn't looking for partnership. It was more fun. And now I want like family and partnership and commitment. And so I'm thinking differently. And so I'm trying to date like in my age bracket, people that know who they are. I don't care how much money you make, but just understand your place in the world in some capacity, whatever that means. So me dating now is is a different game than it had been. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And taught me. (laughs) Yeah. And don't make racist jokes. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that that has to be said is heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's 20. 19. Um, who do you remember a first crush? Um, yes. And this is a wild. So Jared Leto. Yeah. 30 seconds of Mars. But back then he was on, uh, my so-called life. life. He was, I immediately, he comes to mind. Yeah. You know, you know, right. Oh yeah. 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 Was there anyone in your actual life? I'm sorry. What the Jared Leto gif. You know what I'm talking about, right? There's, we'll come back to it. Okay. Okay. Please. Listeners know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. We'll come back to it. Okay. Dana, I'm excited. We can pull it up. Okay. We'll be doing some research here. Was there anyone in your actual real life, like when you were a kid, that made you feel a type of way? <laughs> yes. But you wouldn't know them because they were like just, No, I know, but yeah. like, but what yeah. was like do you remember that feeling and who that person was? I sure do. Um, so when I was like 15 and 16, they we had in Philadelphia in the Burbs these like underage punk rock, little nightclub rock things. And I'd hang out there again, met the most amazing people. And there's, um, a guy and a girl, a guy and a girl, this girl, I must, I want to say her name. She's so rad. I just found her on Facebook. She was like the coolest chick of the, of the, she was like the it girl. And we dated for a while. Um, and there's also this dude whose name I won't say either. I don't know what he's doing now. Someone told me once that he like sells pumpkins or something. Um, so shout out George selling those pumpkins. Um, he, he was another one. Yeah. And what, what was it? Uh, his confidence. Either I remember he was like hetero, and he came up to me one night at the club and was trying to get me to go home with him and was just flirting with me and it was just like so exhilarating and so controversial and so taboo and here I am with my girlfriend and like I'm totally into him and it was just like ah. did you go? I didn't. I don't know why I didn't go because I was the kind of guy that would have gone. I didn't go. I I couldn't tell you why. I do not know why. Hmm. I'll never know. For you. Okay. I'll never know. We'll have to find him. Or. We're looking for the gift. Uh, Dr. Chris Donahue, yes. thank you so much for being here. Yeah, buy my Best book. of luck with Rebel Love. <laughs> I and, can't wait to tear uh, in. As we uh, – we'll leave you on this. It's just a visual that only the people in the room can see. But it's just 
Is it moving? Jared Leto grabbing. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy! What, what seems to be a a swell bottle, one of these giant swell bottles yeah. on the table. It is that, a, that's, a gourd that's what of I've some that's kind. what I've been told. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, been, it's truly it's been, shocking. It's been confirmed. Interesting. Jared Leto yeah. is uh, hung uncomfortably largely. Yes. Uh, that is the that is the, that is what we leave you with on this episode, Doctor. God bless, Donahue. Thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you, guys. And guys, get the book. I'm so excited to read Rebel Love. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. I wrote a book. <laughs> um, Break the rules. Destroy yes. toxic habits. Have the best sex of your life. Doctor. Chris Donahue. Thank Bye. you for, thank for being here. Dr. Chris Donahue, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody here at Earwolf. Thank you, Ryan thank and Ryan. Dana thank and you, Dana. all those other people out there that we love. Mm-hmm. And uh, to Ben Wise for the music. Yes, thank you, Matt. Thank you, listener. Thank you, Dave. Bye. This is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus! I mean, Jazos! (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.